everybody. Uh, good evening, everybody. This is uh, our Tuesday night Bible study. Welcome to uh, Facebook Live. Uh, hopefully, you guys are watching. If you could be so kind as to uh, take this video and share it, I I'm going to go ahead and admit I'm a little disheveled at the moment. Uh, this microphone you see in front of my face is all for show. Uh, I'm having a hard time. I got some feedback there. Uh, all for show. Don't know how to get that going. Thought I had it going last week when I was all done. It wasn't even plugged in. So I'm using the inter internal mic on my computer. I think that'll work okay. And honestly, I'm not too worried about it. Uh, what's important is that we preach the gospel, that Jesus is glorified, and that in the end, he receives all of the glory. So tonight, we are going to study the Bible. It's something that we at South Bay Chapel, we take very seriously, and we endeavor to uh, help as many people as possible whether it be one or a thousand, learn to follow Jesus through the studying of his word. It's vitally important to the life of a Christian. And uh, if you are a Christian, um, you should be doing it. If you're not a Christian, you should become a Christian and start doing it as well. So I'm going to pray for us, and then we will get started, and we will uh, talk about tonight's verse and how we're going to study it. Uh, Lord, we just praise you, and we thank you for taking care of us, for loving us, for being so kind. And uh, though we have questions and we don't understand everything, we know that you are welcoming and inviting through your word that we might know you uh, deeper and more intimately. I pray tonight that whoever might be watching, that you would just give them ears to hear, eyes to see the beauty and the majesty of your son Jesus. And I pray that your word would uh, speak to us tonight, that I would just be a vessel or a tool, that this isn't my wisdom, this isn't my ways, these are your ways. This is what you want us to do, Lord. Help me to follow it while helping others to follow it as well. In your name we pray. Amen. So, like I said, uh, something I'm going to do right now uh, as I lead the way, I'm going to go ahead and uh, like this video and share it on my timeline. Uh, let's see. Share it to a page. Your story public. Oh, that's not really what I wanted. Nope. I don't want that either. Hey, Courtney. So what we're going to talk about tonight is a verse found in Hebrews chapter 12, uh, verse 3. And for the last few months, we've been going through the book of Hebrews. And uh, the book of Hebrews is a letter that was written by an unknown follower of Jesus in the first century who wrote primarily to a Hebrew audience, hence the name of the book, Hebrews. Um, so in it and through it, you find uh, a lot of references to the Old Testament, a lot of references to Jewish practices, Jewish rites, Jewish ordinances, festival celebrations, um, and so forth. Things that kind of fly right over the over our head as Gentiles, non-Jews, um, but yet still there for us to uh, derive the truth of God through it, while also living in a Christ-exalting, or a Christ, uh, when we say Christ-exalting, I mean like it's obvious that he is our Lord and that he is our Savior. Not because we're putting anything on, but because our life has been so radically changed. And so tonight's verse is found in um, Hebrews chapter 12, verse 3. Before I get there, though, I think it's pretty obvious. It's pretty well known. Of all the uh, cliches within Christianity, while some are kind of unfounded or over-exaggerated, there are some that are, like, dead on. One of those cliches or stereotypes would be the idea of uh, overcoming sin in our life. Um, I think that the Christian most often uses that word, for better or for worse, 
in their common vocabulary more than the world does, the word sin. Um, we understand sin to be, uh, biblically speaking, the idea of just missing the mark of God. God has set a standard. Uh, he has drawn a proverbial line, and we just cannot reach it. And so, um, we understand that sin is also not compatible with our new life. And so, we, we, we engage in this new life where we are overcoming uh, sin through a new victorious life, and we sometimes get caught up in the how-tos of that. Um, it's a, it's it's awesome to set your mind to be like, I'm going to overcome this sin. And deliverance and rescue is available. God is there to do that for us. But often we, we get things kind of backwards. And it's a really simple fix. It's a really simple concept. It's actually our default uh, human nature which causes us to go down that road. We've talked about it for the past few weeks. We're going to talk about it again tonight because it is so prevalent when going through the scriptures and studying about Jesus. Um, the overcoming of sin is a constant battle for the Christian. Um, one of the things that confounds the world is a Christian who sins. They make the assumption that if you're a Christian, you no longer sin. Now, if you're a Christian, you're born again, and you're no longer controlled by sin. But yet, we still fall to temptation. And so we live this life where we are actively engaged in battle to overcome sin. Um, and these battles come in all different shapes, sizes, and forms. Sometimes it's just a confrontation, a simple confrontation, a skirmish, uh, uh, an altercation, uh, no big whoop, maybe it's just verbal, uh, maybe there's some pain involved, but it could be all-out war to where you are huddled on the ground in the fetal position just weeping because you just know not to give in to your flesh, but yet your flesh is so strong and prevalent in that moment. And so um, we understand that all of life is a battle in that way, and whether it's a small battle, a small altercation, or an all-out war, um, we as Christians aren't to be surprised by it. This past Sunday we talked about 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 12, where Peter tells the church, Hey, don't be surprised by the fiery trials you go through. Don't act like something weird is happening to you. Uh, that's kind of the life you signed up for. As a Christ follower, you'll either suffer because you make dumb decisions. That's just what we do. Or, if you're not suffering for that, you're suffering because you're following Jesus. Because you're following Jesus, you are finding yourselves at odds with Satan, the world, and your flesh. So you will go through not just trials, but fiery trials. You will go through things that will test your faith, it will test your beliefs. It will test who you are as a person. All of that is intentional. That testing process is the same thing we do when we go around and we go to buy a new car and we test drive it and we kick the tires and we ask questions and we, you, you know, we spend time talking to car salesmen. We're trying to find out about this car. We are the car. God's not kicking our tires. He's letting us find out who we are, who our true savior is, who our true God is what we truly believe in because if we could say all day like jesus is our savior and christ is our rock and but when the trial comes where do we run when the trial comes where do we hide when the when the trial comes who do we seek help from or what do we go to for comfort that will reveal our truth that will reveal who we truly are so uh we should we're not surprised when these things happen they are used to reveal to us who we truly are um, and we know that we're supposed to overcome sin, but we need tangible, practical things to do to overcome sin. 
um, if I were just to tell you, hey, just overcome it, that wouldn't be very fair because um, some sin is really easy. Like if it's the sin of like being angry, like, hey, just don't be angry. Um, the sin of sinning in anger, I should say. Anger is not a sin, but uh, sinning in anger is. Just don't do it. Well, you, you got to give me something to do. You have to give me a practical step. Otherwise, I'm in this neutral sort of free fall. I don't know what to grasp onto. And most often what we grasp onto is legalisms. If I don't do this thing or if I do do this thing, then I will be saved. No, we're saved because of the blood of Jesus. We place our faith in him. We are born again. We are brand new. And um, that is how we are saved. Um, overcoming sin is a lifelong process. How do we do that? Um, if you're not a Christian, you need to give your life to Jesus Christ. You must be, as John chapter 3 says, you must be born again. You've been born of the flesh. Now you need to be born of the Spirit. The Bible says in Ephesians chapter 2 that uh, we were once dead in our trespasses, dead in our sins, but now in Christ made alive again. Through faith in him, we're made alive, like truly alive, really alive. And so um, we must place our life into the hands of our loving Savior. Um, where he goes, we go. Where he leads us, we go. Where he tells us to go, we head to. Like, that's what we do. Um, tonight's verse is found in Hebrews chapter 12, verse 3. It says, Consider him who endured from sinners such hostility against himself, so that you may not grow weary or faint-hearted. Um, I want to just basically consider, uh, the irony of this, consider the word, I uh, consider. Just consider that first word in this first verse. It's a fun word. It's a unique word that in the original Greek, which is what the Bible, uh, the New Testament specifically, was written in originally. It was written in Greek. That word, this is the only time that word is used. Um, it's the idea of thinking, pondering, considering, um, spending time with your mind engaged about that particular thing. And so often what we are is what we think about. Who we are and how we act is how we is a manifestation of what we're thinking about. Think about it like this. Um, you get really at, mad and angry, and then someone comes to talk to you who's an innocent bystander. They have nothing to do with the situation. But because you're thinking and dwelling on that, it's hard to like switch off and go, oh yeah, they have nothing to do with it. So you lash out at them. And so they're like, what did I do? And then they're all mad. And then they go and they do that to the next person. It's this huge chain of events. Um, what we think is often who we are. And what we think or how we think or what we think about is usually, usually what is directing our lives. So imagine, you know, they always say, don't go to the grocery store when you're hungry. Why? Because all you're thinking about is food, and everything looks delicious at the grocery store when you are uh, when you are starving. You go in there, it's like, oh, quinoa. Like nobody's ever said quinoa is delicious, but if you're starving and you go there and there's quinoa, you're like, wow, quinoa. Um, consider him. The word consider means to think. And and if you remember, if you're old like me, the United Negro College Fund uh, throughout the 70s and 80s, and even now, their motto is the mind is a terrible thing to waste. And the Christian, uh, for some reason, it seems to be prevalent, at least um, at least in the, in the circles that I kind of go in or the people that I have seen and observed over the last 15 years, um, especially if you look, think about like uh, 
the most famous of churches and that sort of thing. It's the idea of sort of abandoning your mind, that to somehow draw closer to God, you must stop thinking. You must abandon uh, our mental faculties and instead pursue things, they'll say things like spiritually. Um, the problem with that is that the mind is a powerful tool. And the mind um, is a great asset and weapon in overcoming anything, but especially sin. And so we're commanded over and over again to uh, not just pursue, pursue God with our soul and our spirit and our strength, but to also pursue with our mind. And it's our mind, I think Romans chapter 12 and verses 1 and 2 says, that needs to be renewed by the, by the scriptures. It needs to be renewed by God's word. Our mind is a powerful tool that must be reshaped and remade to properly understand God, to even desire to go after God. And so uh, the mind is a powerful tool that we cannot forsake or give up. Um, we should uh, use the mind that God has given us. It is, a, it is indeed a powerful thing or a terrible thing to waste. And... Um, this is why we have to be so careful, or why Christians try to be careful about what they consume through their eyes and their ears. Because you cannot unlearn, unsee, or unhear things. What you hear, what you see, and what you learn kind of goes in and just just stays there. I mean, if you, if you think back to uh, that whole recall about a mind is a terrible thing to waste, I heard that as a child. And as I was studying, I was like, oh yeah, there was a motto. I remember a, a PSA back in the day, you know, a mind is a terrible thing to waste. And uh, the encouragement to, to nurture minds so that they might grow and become, in, you know, incredible people. Now, we aren't simply beings with minds. We, we have a soul, we have a spirit, we have strength. Um, it's all of these things together. We shouldn't forsake one for the other. We should engage God with all of them. We should pursue Christ with everything not just a fraction of who we are. Um, but what we think about is in, as, as important, if not more important, than the act of actually thinking or to use our mind. And so the writer of Hebrews in verse 3 says, to consider, think about, ponder him. In context, Jesus. This is who the writer is talking about. The process of overcoming sin and living victoriously will include new habits and abstaining from stuff and engaging in new stuff. You know, if you're a Christian and you were an alcoholic before, really simple example, if you are an alcoholic before, you're going to have to abstain from alcohol. You're going to have to engage in a new way of overcoming whatever the purpose was for the alcohol in the first place. Um, if you're just thirsty, get a Pepsi. But if you're using it to numb your pain, to get through the day, to make yourself less awkward, to be more comfortable around people, to function, well, you're using alcohol for the wrong reason. And so you have to abstain from that or stop using that. Um, but just good habits is not the same as being filled with the Spirit of God. If we are filled with the Spirit of God, as the Bible says that we have been because of Jesus, then we have a different capacity, a different fuel source, which we operate from. And so our uh, considering and our thinking 
is not just fueled by our own mind, it's fueled by the Spirit of God to think about Jesus and to ponder Him and what He has done so that we might overcome, not because He's overcome in the sense of like, He just inspires us, like if Jesus did it, then I can do it too. Not like that. But because Jesus has endured the cross, because He has paid such a high, high price for our life, then the act of just simply meditating and thinking about what he has done is enough to quell or quench the fire that might be uh, the temptation that is in us at that given moment. I guarantee you that if you think back to your last sin, you weren't thinking about Jesus when you were doing it. He was probably the furthest thing from your mind. You were thinking about a whole bunch of other things if you were thinking about Jesus, you were thinking about ways of justifying whatever you were doing. But if you will take a moment and pause and go, wait a minute. Jesus would not want me doing this, obviously. But he paid such a high price so that I might have the possibility of overcoming this. That I might have the ability to overcome this. That we might focus on him in that moment. Um, this might be the rescue and deliverance from the moment that you are struggling with. You read throughout the scriptures, all of the people of God of the Old and New Testament, when they are delivered and saved, what they are doing is focusing on God. They are focusing on Jesus. When they lose sight of Him, that is where they falter. There is no saint of the Old Testament. There is no saint of the New Testament. There is no saint of the church. And when I say saint, I mean Christian. I don't mean, you know, Saint Andrew of the whatever. I mean like you and I are saints of God. That's what the word says. None of them ever succeeded in their own power. They succeeded as they were led by Jesus and focused on him. And so you think about David. When he sins, when, when does he sin? When he takes his eyes off God. When is, he, when is he victorious? When Christ is before him. You know, Peter and James and John and the Apostle Paul and these different ones, they succeed, they're victorious when they are focused on Christ. Uh, sort of a, a well-used um, example of this is when Jesus, or when Paul, uh, or excuse me, when Peter walks on water. And you know, Jesus is out there and Peter says, bid me come walk on the water too and he does and Peter gets out and takes a couple steps but then he starts to look at the storm he takes his eyes off of Jesus and every, you know, he begins to drown and Jesus rescues him so whenever we take our eyes off of Jesus we will fail it's even worse to be successful without our eyes on Jesus because then we'll just teach ourselves to not look to Jesus there's people out there who have overcome lots of things without Jesus in the sense of like being a Christian and Jesus not being their focal point. The idea here is that through focusing on Jesus, you will overcome and glorify him in it. And that others might see that he is a real and apparent rescue in, time, uh, in a time of need. That he is to be relied upon, that he can be trusted and he is faithful. How do we do that though? How do we focus on Jesus? Do we set up... I mean, the Bible's pretty big on not idol worshiping, so the idea of like putting a statue or some type of monument in your home, um, a picture of Jesus somewhere, is not the worst possible idea. I would say not to do it, because then you start to think of that thing as Jesus or God, and it's not. 
it can be a reminder if you can keep it in that sort of uh, keep it in that context then you're good but if it goes beyond that then you're in trouble um, what do we do how do we how do we consider Jesus when we have so many other things to do and so much more life to live like how do we do that very simple I'm glad you asked there's only three real things that practically if you boil down every step and every formula and every book and everything there really is just three things that you must do that will keep you focused on Jesus number one is prayer prayer is really 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 simple it's just talking to God and often we convolute it sometimes we we make it more than what it is um, or we operate as though it's not as important as it is uh, the idea is that we are going to talk to God and we should be reverent and we should be respectful and we should be uh, fearful in the sense that you know God's a big God and very powerful and and he, he deserves our reverence and respect but yet we can come to a to come to him as children we can come to him as uh, like little kids and uh, just throw our arms around him and, and just talk to him and just pray and just say, Lord, you know, this is what I'm going through. This is what I'm struggling with. This is my problem today. When is this going to end? Read the Psalms and read how many Psalms were David specifically. King David was like, you know, how, how, much, long, how much longer are my enemies going to overtake me? How much longer are people going to overcome uh, me? What am I going to, to do? You know, what, when will you be here? But then ending with, but Lord... You know, you've always seen me through so many different things and so many different times. And so the idea is that David, in that process of starting in like a fear, not knowing, not understanding, leads to a resolve. And through all that, he's focused on Jesus. Through all of that, he's focusing on the Lord. So he, we do that through prayer. And you can pray loud or quiet, by yourself with other people, at church, at home, at night, during the day. You can do it while you're driving. You can do it at home in the quiet. You can do it while you read your word. You can do it while you're just alone. You can do it um, uh, with your kids. You can do it with uh, your friends. You can. The, the point is just to do it. The point is just to pray. So uh, be deliberate about your time of prayer. Like, i got to go pray right now and go do that. Uh, number one. Number two, I mentioned the Word of God. The Word of God is how we know Jesus. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God, or the Word is God. First John, or excuse me, John chapter 1 says, the Gospel of John. Uh, all things were made through Him, and without Him was not anything made that was made. Everything's about Jesus, and the Word of God is about Jesus. But it's not just about Jesus. Jesus and the Word are like knit from the same cloth. They are, they are, and you can't have one without the other. You can't have Christ without the Word, and you can't have the Word without Christ. To know Jesus, to grow in intimacy with Him, you must know the Word of God. And when I say no, I don't mean memorize the whole thing or memorize entire books. If you can do that, more power to you. But it's just to be in it, to read it, to let it challenge you, to wrestle with it, to, to accept it, to uh, be confused by it, to rejoice in it, to uh, mourn through it, but ultimately just to be in it. And it's the word of God that God has given us so that we might know him. And then lastly is the gathering of the church. I'd, I've never met a strong Christian who is not part of a church uh, in some way, shape, or form. It doesn't have to be a big church. It doesn't have to be the, 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 the flashiest church in town. It's just got to be a group of people 
that are committed to the same purpose, and that is knowing Jesus and glorifying him and serving the people of their community. Pray, read the word, gather with the saints, uh, and watch the Lord do something amazing in your life. Watch your focus gravitate towards Jesus. I mean, your passion for him will grow. You will uh, have a new desire to look for him, a new desire to pursue him. Instead of just like, I should do this, it'll be like, oh man, I get to do this. This is, this is a joy. And I wrestled with God, but it's still amazing, and it's fun, and it's it's challenging, but it's it's good for me, and my I feel my spirit and my soul growing as a result of it. I feel sin uh, dying as a result of it. All of this is available to you. Pack now three easy payments of ninety nine ninety nine. Um, no, all all it takes is placing your faith in Jesus, just trusting Him with your life, saying, Lord, I, I take you at your word and I follow you. Speak to me through your word. I pray that you would lead me to a good church. I pray that you would lead me into the truth of your scriptures. These are the things that God has promised to do for you. And so you must simply just pray and follow those things. Um, I hope tonight has been helpful for you. I hope that it has renewed your hope and your faith. I hope that Jesus is a little more real to you tonight. I pray that, uh, that in spite of all circumstances and life in general, you know that Jesus loves you so much that he gave his life for you that you might be saved from your sins, that you might be saved from yourself, that you might be saved from what has been done to you, that you might live a victorious life in Him, and uh, not just for now, but for all eternity. So let's pray together, and then we'll, we'll close up. Jesus, uh, you're good, and your word is awesome. And I pray tonight that uh, those who uh, have heard this message, whether it's now or in the future, that they would hear your voice beyond my voice. My voice is limited and breaking and not the best but your voice is clear perfect full of truth full of love full of kindness full of challenge but yet there for us and so i pray that for your people i pray for those who might listen lord that they hear you and that, that would lead to conviction and a uh, changed life lord and in life found in you we love you and we praise you in jesus name amen amen okay a couple of things uh we have uh some events coming up. What do we got going on? Um, tomorrow, tomorrow in our town is the first day of school. That is uh, September the fourth. That's that's not tomorrow. Two days from now. Sorry, two days from now is the first day of school for our area. Uh, be praying for kids. Uh, I know that going to school, the teachers, uh, they've had a long time off. That first week of school is brutal. You're showing up in shoes that are you know not broken in yet clothes that are probably too warm for the season, a lot more books and stuff than you're used to, and uh, getting up earlier, going to bed earlier, it's just a whole lot of whole lot of stuff going on, so keep uh, keep the kids, keep the, the teachers in prayer, I know they appreciate that. Potluck at the end of the month, that'll be uh, September 29th at the chapel, 10.30 a.m. is our service time, we'll have potluck right after that. That's our friends and family Sunday. Uh, what we do is uh, we just invite people to church. And we do it all the time, but that last Sunday we, we do a potluck, do something special with the kids. Um, service is just a little bit different, and uh, the purpose is just to kind of engage our community and meet them where they're at rather than causing them to meet us where we're at, in a sense. Um, so all that, hope that you guys have a wonderful day. If you have a church, uh, keep going to it, be committed to it. If you need a church, South Bay Chapel is always there, 8954 Morris Road in Canastota. 
and uh, all are welcome. I uh, hope that you meet Jesus. I hope that he changes your life, and I hope you have a great night. Everybody, God bless, and we'll see you when we see you.